Financial decisions. You face them at every turn. Do you ever feel lost? Do you ever feel like you might be missing something or making a mistake? Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner at Step Right Capital Planning. Again, and welcome to Step Right with Lynn. Before we get into our show today, I'd like to invite you to like the show right on SoundCloud or whatever platform you're listening from. That's the way we're able to share our message. It allows for our message to be found. I certainly don't know how all the search engines all work, but I know we need those likes and shares and comments, and I invite you to follow the show as well. You can do that right on SoundCloud. I hear from so many of you, the listeners, with ideas for guests for the show or ideas for show topics and your comments. It's wonderful to get that feedback. I'd love to hear from you, so please send me an email, lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright.ca, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. My guest today is Kimberly Lyons. Kim has a Master's in Recreation and Leisure Studies from the University of Waterloo. Wow, Leisure Studies, that sounds pretty nice. I study leisure when I'm out riding my horse, and that's what I know about (laughs) Leisure Studies. We'll hear from Kim what Leisure Studies is really all about. Kim and I sing together in the Rainbow Chorus of Waterloo, Wellington, and that's where we met. We had the awesome opportunity this past summer to go on a wilderness canoe trip with two other members of our chorus. Our good friends Brenda and Judy are seasoned at wilderness canoeing, and they showed Kim and I how it's done. It was truly an amazing experience and a highlight for sure. We're going to find that this is a show of many themes, and it revolves around the Camino Via de la Plata. Kim's experiences there, as well as how Kim hopes to bring those experiences to others, making use of resources right here in Ontario. So welcome, Kim. Hi, thanks, Lynn. It's great to have you on the show. Would you like to make a shout out to our canoe partners? I certainly would, to Judy and Brenda. You were amazing and taught Lynn and I so much. What a fantastic six days it was just to be back out in nature, just like when I was on the Camino Via de la Plata. Very cool. So, the Camino Via de la Plata. Tell us about that. It has some historical significance. Speak to us as if some of our listeners have never heard of it before. Okay, well, let's position where the Camino Via de la Plata actually is, first of all. So, um, the Camino Via de la Plata is in Spain, and there are many Caminos across Spain. The most popular route is, of course, from France to Santiago de Compostela you know, often called The Way. It's uh, St. James Way. But the Via de la Plata uh, is a different Camino, though it does join up with the St. James Way. And of course, all of the Caminos eventually lead to Santiago de Compostela, where the remains of St. James the Apostle are reportedly buried. The Camino Via de la Plata is a 1,000-kilometer route that was originally used by the Iberian Christian pilgrims 
who lived under Arab Islamic rules during the period of Muslim domination and by all of those people who are coming from the south of Spain. It starts in Sevilla and it takes one north through a myriad of beautiful rural communities, pueblos, and cities with very strong Roman history, including Merida, Cáceres, Salamanca, Zamora, and Orense, and ends, of course, in Santiago de Compostela. It's a really isolated and solitary, quiet route. It has beautiful undulating terrain, and once you enter Galicia, which is in the north, it becomes, uh, you're sort of entering the mountainous area, and there are many, many steep inclines and declines, and it's a beautiful and challenging route. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Kim, I'm going to call it a hike, loosely <laughs> using that term. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you set out on this hike? Well, many pilgrims, and that's what we're known as. When you travel a Camino, you are known as a pilgrim, and this is more a pilgrimage than a hike. <laughs> Although, depending on, you know, your background, if you're not a spiritual person, then you might call it a hike. But most people walk for spiritual purposes. A lot of religious people walk, of course, for St. James the Apostle and want to honor his remains once they get to Santiago de Compostela. For me, though, it was uh, definitely a spiritual walk. I would definitely consider myself a pilgrim. And I walked for transformation, for lack of a better word. I knew there were changes I needed to make in my life. There were intense changes unfolding in my life. There was a separation from an 11-year marriage. There was me at, you know, 30-some-odd years old (laughs) entering my master's degree. I was just changing in a lot of ways, and I really needed to sit with those changes and with the, to be honest, with the pain that I was coping with in in the separation from my partner at Mm -hmm, that time. mm -hmm. Uh, How long were you there? How far did you walk? I was there for a month, and I walked the entire thousand kilometers. Wow. Yeah, um, it was very rewarding. I would say I would say it would definitely, for most people, if you want to walk that route, give yourself at least a month. I did suffer a bout of tendonitis, so I did take three days off to heal from that, and then I did take another three days off just to enjoy sights and sounds and different cities along the way. Kim, what was your best day? And what'd you learn from that day? You know, Lynn, that's a funny question because now, I mean, that was in 2012 and it all blurs together at this point. But I think it would be very black and white of me to say that there was either a best day or a worst day. I think that the entire experience with all its challenges and its delights and the many people that I met and the varied terrain and awful weather and beautiful weather and all of those things made it just one of the most amazing journeys of my lifetime. I would have to say, though, that some of my best memories revolve around a gentleman I met, an elder. His name was Juan, became sort of my Camino soulmate. And he was in his 60s. We were a very unlikely pair. He was very Spanish, spoke very little English. I was very Canadian, (laughs) spoke very little Spanish. We got through on charades and sign language and body language, and it just worked. And I I call him my Camino Angel. You know, I went with this ideal that I should be able to be a strong, independent woman. I chose the most challenging route for myself, a very solitary route. I thought that would be 
I just went with these unrealistic expectations of what independence really is all about. And what Juan taught me is that there's really no such thing as going independently. It is a lesson in the importance of interdependence and of being able to depend on someone else and being able to lean on someone else every once in a while and having them lean on you. I, I needed Juan not just because he spoke Spanish and knew the route quite well. He had walked it twice before. He's from Spain. That's what he does. He's retired. He walks mm-hmm. Caminos. But I needed him emotionally. I needed someone to bear witness to my letting go of certain things, to my pain. He never interfered with my emotions or showed any sort of impatience with my emotions. He just let me be. There were days when I was grieving, when I was yelling at the sky and crying and sobbing for kilometers without, I could barely see. And then there were other days where I was full of joy and awe of what a, the scenery around me and the, and the mileage that we were covering and just what we were seeing together. He just bore witness to that. He, I never felt judged by this person. And that was a really incredible gift. He was a very incredible gift for me. So it sounds like the blessing came out of the challenge. Absolutely. You put that beautifully. What I realized upon hindsight, upon writing my thesis about my walk across the Via de la Plata, what I figured out was I embark on risk because I really truly believe there's magic on the other side of it. And I went with one ideal came out with another that was a very precious gift to me. I now know the importance of collaboration and interdependence. I now know that independence is not a realistic (laughs) um, goal for any one person. We need each other, that we as social animals actually belong with one another. And, um, And I would say the blessing of the challenge of the Via de la Plata was in getting to know myself better, getting to know my higher power, gaining trust in myself, my higher power, and other people is really the main gift that I came up with. So you've spoken about your emotional challenges. Mm -hmm. Uh, What were some of the physical challenges that you met on the the path? Uh, Well, I I definitely overpacked. Let's start (laughs) with that. I definitely overpacked, and I overpacked because I had never done something like that before. I had never gone on such a long-distance walk before. And I, I overpacked because I think, um, I think when we embark on something new, sometimes we bring things out of fear. We want comfort items. Mm-hmm. We assume, or, or I, I suppose I'll come from the I language, I overplanned based on what I thought would unfold. I guess that's another gift that I learned <laughs> from the Via de la Plata. It was planning sometimes needs to go right out the window. Because such beautiful, unexpected things can happen when you just let them happen rather than when you have this sort of narrow view of what needs to happen. When I can let go of what I think needs to happen, the transformations I need to make, the mileage I need to walk a day to get to a safe place by the end of the day, when I can let go of those plans and just let things unfold, wow, the most unexpectedly beautiful things can take place and that was another really beautiful gift so I overpacked I got tendonitis (laughs) my shoulders hurt constantly this was the only the first five days 
So my body demanded, literally, and this this ties into the psycho-emotional aspect that you just sort of brought up. I absolutely had to let go of those physical items for my body to be able to traverse in a comfortable, flowing, easy way. And as I let go of material items, I let go of psycho-emotional stuff and vice versa. Mm -hmm. When I can move into a place of trust, I don't need that crystal. I don't need that guide. I don't need that extra pair of socks. I don't need these little things because I trust that whatever I need is going to come to me. And it did. It did. Mm -hmm. All I had to do was put it out to the universe and the most unexpected things came to me. So it was a very practical thing Mm -hmm. that you had to give up some of the stuff Mm -hmm. because you couldn't carry it. Mm -hmm. And that became symbolic of some other things that you were giving up on the way. Do you consider yourself a minimalist today? I certainly consider myself much more of a minimalist than I was before I left. When I got back from the Camino and looked at my space, I felt truly overwhelmed by how much stuff I thought I needed in my life. And I felt truly overwhelmed by the materialism in our society coming back to it with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. And I felt truly overwhelmed by the ego that is invested in those material items. So I let a lot of that stuff go. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. cleared out closets, cleared out cupboards, cleared out food items, Mm -hmm. and I gave it away. And that felt better. It felt better. If someone didn't understand what you meant by materialism and ego, Mm -hmm. would you explain that a little bit more? Mm -hmm. I'll do my best. Ego and materialism for me go hand in hand. You know, I learned a really cool thing about ego. I learned, someone gave me an acronym for ego, and it was called Edging God Out. And a pilgrimage is a really spiritual path. And I developed a much closer relationship to the higher power of my own understanding. Spiritualism and materialism, for me, don't go hand in hand very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I came back from this spiritual path and this spiritual outlook of walking with the bare minimum, walking in faith, listening to my body, my body discovering its voice and talking to me in this whole new way that I was open to, had to be open to, to come home to all these material items helped me to see that I had, in a way, wandered from a spiritual path at home. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So to come off of a spiritual path back into this materialistic society made me understand that I wanted spirit in my life full time. I didn't want just a spiritual experience. I wanted a spiritual life. Mm -hmm. I wanted the Camino experience to continue for me as a lifestyle. And I couldn't do that with all this stuff in the way of my relationship with myself, taking, keeping me busy, but not reflective. Right, right. Okay. Let's pause there, Kim. All right. Um, And we'll go to a short commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we'll learn more about your discoveries. Perfect. Thank you. 
Is there a contribution that you dream of making? What if you could make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Charitable giving is often presented as something you do when you're extremely wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and designing your contribution at every step around the issues important to you. Learn how clarity about what is important to you gives every aspect of life new meaning. Tune in to Step Right with Lynn regularly. Welcome back. This is Step Right with Lynn, and I'm your host, Lynn Wedham. I'd love to hear your comments on the show, ideas for the show topics, and guests for the show. Send me an email, lynn at stepright.ca, L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. My guest today is Kim Lyons, and she's telling us about her pilgrimage, her personal journey, and what it will mean to others. Uh, It occurs to me that there's a little connection between the title of the show, Step Right, and the steps that you took on the Camino. They're all journeys, personal journeys, financial journeys, journeys where we connect with others. So, Kim, I recognize many themes in your writing. This is your book, your thesis that we're talking about. Perhaps you could comment on a few of these. The first would be guilt. Guilt. That was huge for me in leaving my partner. Not only leaving my partner, but then leaving on this huge excursion when I had basically left him with our house, our pets, our garden. These are things that he all wanted, but I still felt that I had burdened him with a great responsibility. I think, you know, to to operate a house takes a, a little team, and I have left the team. And, you know, there was a lot that went into that guilt, too, in that there was a history of codependency in my relationships. I was born into an alcoholic home. These were traits that I came by honestly, but I didn't recognize the extent of my codependency until actually just a couple of years ago after the Camino. But codependency is a disease that makes one feel very responsible for others. And um, the responsibility for self sort of gets left behind. And what happened was, what spurred this separation is, I was starting to feel very much like I needed to take care of myself. That there were goals that I wanted to reach, opportunities I wanted to grasp. I wanted to become something that was very foreign to my partner and I and something that he was very uncomfortable with because it meant that I was no longer putting him first because of course we're in a codependent relationship I am a part of that but there isn't of course another person involved in a codependent relationship so as I start to change and this creates a great deal of tension and discomfort it also came with its fair share of guilt and for me to leave and leave him with all this responsibility and take care of myself was a very new experience for me and one that I didn't know how to traverse. I didn't have a map for this taking care of Kim experience, this journey. So the guilt followed me for throughout the entire trip. But uh, is it possible that I read you something from my thesis that helped me understand guilt? Absolutely. We'd love to hear that. 
So once I had come to actually recognize my guilt, I again started working with the body. The body's going to come up again and again throughout this show, Lynn, because I had never had such an intense experience with my body as I did through this separation and this long-distance walk. As I started turning the guilt over to my heart, my heart was able to just show me how, how beautiful I was in my caring for him, but how unhealthy that was for me. And so I reached out. I understood that I needed help because this guilt was literally tearing me to pieces. So I called a <laughs> telephone counselor. <laughs> I was desperate. I called my partner's uh, employee assistance program. And this is, this is a little piece from November 22nd, 2011 from my journal. Bert's my telephone counselor. In a state of sheer crisis, I called my husband, but not because we're separated, but I don't know what else to call him yet. Employee assistance program. And they hooked me up with Bert. Bert's a swell guy. He sounds middle-aged and like he's lived through some ups and downs himself, and he's a great listener. So I told him about the guilt, and he in return said something that I really needed to hear. Our conversation went something like this. Kim, let me get this straight. You feel guilty for growing? Yep, Bert, I guess I do. My growth has really hurt my partner. And how would you feel if instead you'd stayed and stagnated, Kim? Uh, well, Bert, I suppose I'd feel pretty resentful. Hmm, neither's a great choice, Kim. No, Bert. Guilt and resentment both pretty much suck. Kim, I can't help but think that guilt's an emotion that's out of context for your particular situation. See, most people feel guilty when they've done something consciously wrong. Have you done something wrong? By growing, Kim? Long pause. I see where you're going with this, Bert. And no, I guess I really haven't done anything wrong. Growth happens. It just hurts to see him so sad. And I guess I'm pretty sad too, as a matter of fact. Well now, that's understandable, Kim. Grief is understandable. Grief is reasonable. You've said some goodbye to someone very special to you, but grief and guilt aren't the same thing. You have a choice in how you perceive your role in this situation. Does that make sense to you? And just like that, my perception of the breakup between my husband and I shifted. Guilt wasn't serving me one iota. Guilt was killing me, and it was my own doing. Grief, on the other hand, I can live with, because it's a natural reaction to this kind of experience, and with time I will heal, and the grief will be alleviated. I could have gone on for years bearing the burden of self-imposed guilt. Close call. Bert, I owe you one, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, so the, the theme there is that the guilt was misplaced. Yeah. You realized, I mean, you saw pain and you immediately thought you were responsible for it. Absolutely. And you were willing to take it all on and be responsible for it. Oh, good old codependence. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like the clarity of misplaced guilt. Me too. It was really, really helpful. I didn't get it right away. It sounded mm -hmm. like I got it, but I still felt bad leaving. It's only now that I'm actually dealing with my codependency and recovering from codependency that I truly, upon reflection, can see that it was grief. It's mm -hmm. always been grief. Yeah. Hmm. Um, another theme. Okay. 
Another theme would be you talk about time. And one term you use is time poverty. Could mm-hmm. you explain that to us a little bit? Well, this is going to um, sort of come back to that ego statement that I made earlier about being keeping busy, but not necessarily reflective. So time in our society is very much a commodity. There's the saying, time is money, that mm-hmm. gets thrown around a lot yeah. in our society. Yeah. And when time is money, it means that someone actually owns our time. And whoever owns our time, in my opinion, whoever owns our time also owns our minds. And when I shifted that mindset from time is money to more or less, I would have to say my walk across the Camino was a work of art. If I can shift to the mindset that time is art, then I am using my time creatively. Nobody owns it because I'm not focused on the financial aspect of money. I believe that when I follow my passion, the money just comes. So when I use my time as art, that means every moment of every day I'm in the act of creation. So I want to create an artful life. I can trust because I have my higher power and because I trust myself that the money will come. But the shift is subtle but freeing. Does that make sense to you? So I learned to use my time in my way. On the Camino, don't get me wrong, it's completely different from our society. There's no bills to pay. There's no timelines. You don't have a schedule. Definitely some people build a routine, Mm -hmm. but it's based on Getting out of bed, eating, walking, resting, walking. And the sun. Resting. At the right. sun, right? And the weather, of yeah, course. sun the, and weather, yeah. The natural environment has a really big role to play in all actuality. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, to come to use my time that freely and that beautifully and to come home and see people on their phones and (laughs) their calendars rule their lives. Uh, It just was a huge eye-opener for me and how I want to use my time and how to use my time my way is very freeing and how I wish that for everyone. I wish Mm -hmm. people were able to say, you know what? If time is art, then I can take this few minutes to take care of myself today and I'll still get to that appointment. When we're constantly looking at what's coming in the future, we're not present. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely makes sense to me. if I'm constantly looking at my phone going at 10 o'clock, I have to be at this appointment, then 11 o'clock, I have to be there. That's uh, 30 seconds I've already just used in (laughs) not being present. Right. When instead I can go, okay, yeah, I'm going to take a few moments to drop in, get grounded, maybe have a little meditation or go for a walk. And... I'll still make it to my appointment yeah. on time. <laughs> year, year, years ago, I came across a book that uh, the title of it was When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. And, oh, this is perfect. And it so resonated with me at the time. I don't remember that the content of the book solved anything, <laughs> but I do, remember, right. I do remember that title and how, you know, how much that title resonated. That title's resonating with me. Because it really is about relaxing. Yeah. Just relax. Everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to get done that we wish to accomplish yeah. in our life. And the things that don't get done, 
they must not have really been a priority. Because I'm my first priority. My health is my first priority. I can't help anyone else or do my best in everything that I do if I don't take time for myself. And that's what the Camino really taught me. It was a month of pure self-care. I had never done that for me before. And I know many women, many people who have never done that kind of thing for themselves before. And may never get the opportunity to, to do that. Yeah. Another, another thing that comes to mind is I used to watch people out walking their dog and think, how do they have time to just <laughs> go for a walk and take their dog for a walk? How do they not have time would be my question. Yeah. yeah. yeah Got to turn things around. Got to drop in and stop the mind, the ego, that pushing. That's, that's to me based on meritocracy. And I'll explain what that means. To be constantly driven by accomplishment and think that we have to do all this stuff because people expect it from us or we expect it from ourselves or we just think that we are obligated to do certain things in our life or maybe it's even based on a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. i can appreciate that mm-hmm. but it is also ego driven in that when we produce we are contributing to a meritocracy that exists in our society mm-hmm. we yes. are okay. more important meritocracy right merit we're talking about merit, merit. okay Let's think about how we treat people, for instance, who are elders or who have special needs who are not contributing in the same way in our society. That's true. There is a hierarchy of production. I'm refusing now to place myself in that hierarchy because I don't have to worry about being externally accepted by other people anymore. I'm not driven by merit an external worth based on other people's opinions of me. What the walk taught me is my higher power provides for me in every way, shape, and form I need it to. It loves me unconditionally, sends me people, situations, experiences, and even material items that I need at the time that I need them. And I can feel good about me. And as long as I feel good about me, knowing I'm loved by this universal energy, then everything's okay. What Joe thinks of me doesn't matter to me anymore. I don't have to produce to feel good or feel worthy or feel like I belong in this society. Now the things that I want to create, and I think that we'll get to that Mm -hmm. based on this journey, the things that I want to create are based on my passions, based on me taking care of myself, based on service, not based on me getting... (laughs) on a radio show or on the newspaper you know these things come because and this interview comes because I really feel like we were guided to meet one another we met each other through artistic pursuits through natural pursuits through fun you are a blessing in my life this opportunity is a blessing for me to merely talk about my passion and keep that dream alive for myself Mm -hmm. and draw other people into the dream for sure And that leads very nicely into the next theme I'd like to consider, connection. Connection. Well, we talked a little bit about that through the interdependence piece. Yes. But what the Camino taught me about connection, and this is quite important in my future as well and in the present, in this creation of Mm -hmm. (laughs) even this conversation, is that just walking together doesn't bring people together. It was in telling our stories about our intentions 
to walk, why we were walking that brought us together or not. So for instance, I met people walking for healing. I met a man whose son had survived cancer and he was walking to commune and just give his thanks to the higher power of his understanding. I met another woman who was walking for self-healing because she had been feeling very overwhelmed by her career, by the expectations of other people, and didn't know whether she was on her right path or not, if she was doing what was right for her. Right. (laughs) I met another woman who was walking to give blessings to the water as she went, as a pure act of service. (laughs) People walk for a myriad of reasons, and their stories are actually what connect us together. That's a good point. And is that the most important thing, the, the, the connection, or just the idea that it's a different experience for everyone? Oh, that's a very good point. So we're all walking. We all have that in common, but we're walking for extraordinarily different reasons. Mm-hmm. The thing about understanding one another's intentions is that we begin to celebrate our differences. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. I can respect that person and admire that person for their intention to walk. Right. It doesn't have to be the same as mine. In fact, it can't be. That would defeat the very purpose of me being a unique and special individual like we all are. Instead, when we learn to celebrate our differences, that's when we can truly connect because that connection is based on pure acceptance. Right. Not just on, oh, you look like me, you talk like me, you have the same sort of fashion as me or maybe we're in the same socioeconomic status or the same age right those are all very earthbound things when we begin to accept each other for our differences and our intentions and our heart space man that's a spiritual connection that's bigger yeah and i do i i think you know one really important point you made was the stories do create that understanding stories are so important and being able to have the time When you're walking for six hours a day, (laughs) you spend a lot of time either in contemplation, looking around you, or talking with other pilgrims that are walking along the route. That's a really precious experience. Right. You know, you might see these people, you might only know these people for one week, but you know their life story before you're on your way again, right? Before you separate. That's a special way to connect. We're so busy in our day-to-day lives looking at our calendars, going from meeting to meeting to meeting, or appointment to appointment, or dropping the kids off, or we just don't connect Mm -hmm. with people on a very spiritual level. It's very surface connection when we base our relationships Mm -hmm. on our merit. Right. Let's take this moment to pause again. Uh, We'll go to commercial. Uh, When we come back, we're going to want to learn more about the future and, and, and what it's going to mean going forward. Fantastic. I look forward to it. Thanks. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner, entrepreneur, educator, and radio show host with a vision of a future where families, neighborhoods, communities, and whole societies support each other where each of us lives up to our own potential so we can help others in a substantial way, where giving back is something we all practice, whether of our time, our expertise, or our finances. You can reach Lynn with your comments or questions at 519-448-3477 or by email 
at lynn at stepright.ca. That's 519-448-3477. Or by email at lynn at stepright.ca. Hello again. My guest today is Kim Lyons. We are talking about many things that she learned in a transformational journey, pilgrimage um, that she did on the uh, Camino Via de la Plata. And it's going to mean some differences, um, certainly to the way Kim operates here back in Ontario, and what she hopes to, um, to help others accomplish as well. So we want to learn a little bit more now, Kim, about, about the future. First of all, what does the Camino mean to your past? That's a great question because you can't move into the future without, for me, healing the past. So the Camino meant to me, it helped me look at my past through a whole new lens, okay? Because I consider my past, you know, I've shared that I was raised by alcoholics, I've shared, it, there was trauma absolutely mm-hmm. involved and codependency and really unhealthy coping strategies were And you've lived in almost every small town in Ontario, I think. (laughs) I went to 10 different public schools, it's true. (laughs) And and you know, then that's the byproduct of living with a single mom who has a hard time paying the rent. And and this is not a unique story. This is a very common story in families Mm -hmm. with alcoholism. And so what the Camino did is gave me opportunity to look at my past, not as a tragedy, not as devastating, no more pity party, but as a gift. A gift that offers me the insight of what not just I, but many people go through when -hmm. it comes to alcoholism, when it comes to trauma. And also as a gift of I'm here now, right. like I'm, I'm here now and I'm taking care of myself and this is new, but I get to look at it through a lens of where I don't, I can never take it for granted. I can never take it for granted that I've come this far and accomplished this much. And so what? It took me to my mid thirties to recognize codependency. And so what? The point is, is I'm here now. Right. And my past is the gift that got me here. That's a radical shift from mm-hmm. feeling victimized to now feeling empowered that I am a survivor of all of that. And not only a survivor, a thriver. That's an incredible feeling. And that's what I would like for so many people, even members of my family who I sense are still really stuck in their stories, mm-hmm. whose stories keep catching up with them, whose patterns keep replaying themselves. Because they honestly don't know what the other alternatives are. Right. And I know that feeling. That feeling of wanting to grow, wanting to become more, wanting to shine, per se, that separated me from my partner in the first place. I I had incredible guilt over that. But that was every bit a sign that these old coping patterns just didn't fit anymore. I needed to shed a skin. And, and, And I didn't know how. I didn't know where to turn, but this walk kept calling me. This walk kept saying, come on. You know, I read Shirley MacLaine's book a decade before that. Sure, yeah. So I just followed that. I'm so glad I did because I can go, whoa, okay. I'm allowed to change. Yeah. I'm allowed to ask for help. 
I don't have to do this all by myself and be this independent, strong woman who seeks external approval from everyone else. There's a whole other theme, right? Of course. We can do a show just on that. We can do a show just on that theme. Right. Yeah. Juan taught me that. There are people who actually really want to help me and want to see and see my beauty and want me to know it. That was supremely beautiful understanding for me to go, I'm allowed to be great. <laughs> right? I'm allowed to use my time how I want to use it. I'm allowed to take care of myself. And thank God I'd gone through all that I had gone through in my past because it led me to this point. Some people I think are in automatic pilot for their whole lives, Lynn. Sure. Yeah. When 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 one awakens to transformation and tastes it and desires it and then is is someone says you you're allowed this in your life. Wow. And so what that means for my future now? Yes. It just opens everything up. It takes work. Don't get me wrong. I've had counselors. I use self-help groups. I read this thesis over again. I go back to my lessons. I journal. I meditate. I reflect. I sit with myself. I listen to my body. These things take work and they take time. The time that I deserve to take for myself. Right? Uh But what that means for my future is... In my mind, I'm not obligated to do anything, but I am now committed to the spiritual life. I see that it works for me. I see that it's the way for me. And part of a spiritual life is service. And so I feel like walking, reflecting, accepting, grieving, and then letting go and allowing yourself to move on in life is something that I see a lot of people in society could maybe relate to and i'm not here to empower anybody i can't do that only experiences can empower people what i want to do is offer people the opportunity to have empowering experiences and i would like to do that through the creation of a not-for-profit that Mm -hmm. walks with people healing from trauma across long distances that's that simple Okay. And uh, where would you like to see this happen? And, um, you know, tell us a little bit more about what that picture looks like to you. Well, my vision, because that's all it is right now, my vision is a non-hierarchical, flattened organization that values collaboration and collaborative leadership. And this organization provides opportunities for people to walk across long distances. In my mind, I have the Bruce Trail, but I'm not limited to that. Remember what I said about planning? (laughs) I'm not limited to that. I'm open to many alternative routes. All I know is that I would like to be able to walk beside people on their journeys across long distance. And I'm a recreation therapist by profession. Mm Mm-hmm. So I would recommend things like journaling, learning meditation skills, reflecting, art, self-expression, telling our stories to one another. And then there's, of course, the embodied aspect of just the walking itself. And I think I've, I've pretty much shared right. what that means for the body itself. Because the body and mind are so intrinsically linked that 
talking for many folks, and this is through the literature that I've read, talking for many folks isn't enough. It helps. Telling our story, relieving ourselves of the guilt and shame that comes with that story and learning to accept our story for what it is helps. Mm -hmm. The walking part actually helps alleviate the tensions and the feelings that came with that shame and guilt that we've been storing in our bodies for a really, really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And symbolically moving forward. Symbolically, step by step, letting mm-hmm. things go, moving. Not always forward, because believe me, there were times on the computer <laughs> I got lost okay. and had to backtrack. And that's metaphorical all into itself, For right? Sure. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But that's the times when I didn't have my head up. When I wasn't walking in awareness. Mm-hmm. When I was lost in illusions or daydreams that... Felt good, but didn't necessarily take me where, or maybe they did. Maybe they took me exactly where I needed to be. I have to trust that. But there were definitely instances of getting lost and having to retrace my steps. And you know what? That's okay too, mm-hmm. symbolically and realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you looking for these days um, to help realize that dream? I'm looking for folks. I'm looking for people. You know, if so the organization, I would like to call it, the, the name that I have in my head is called Find Your Way. Um, I'm sure <laughs> everyone can piece that together. I had to find my way. It took me quite a while because I was lost in other people's ways. I was lost in other people's expectations and lost in what I felt were obligations towards others, the nature of codependency. But the Camino helped me find my way. Mm-hmm. Guided by my higher power of my understanding, but definitely my unique path. My off autopilot <laughs> uh, trail. Mm-hmm. So if find your way, as, as I've explained, it resonates with folks out there. If you're interested in collaborative leadership, if you're open to working with growth enhancing characteristics innate in the disequilibrium and complexity that comes with collaborative leadership, if you have big ideas and are open to the ideas of others, this could be Universal Synchronization Network, folks, mm-hmm. and you should probably give me a call. <laughs> even, if, even if you want even if you want a better understanding of what all that means, <laughs> you exactly. might want to give Kim a call. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm looking for folks who value diversity, mm-hmm. who are learning to be accepting of themselves and therefore accepting, accepting of others without judgment. Um, I'm looking for people who trust their guts and mm-hmm. want to engage in a spiritual life. And um, I'm not going to put any more limitations on it than that. I'm not going to say you have to have certain skills or you don't, that you have to know what a nonprofit looks like or not, because I don't even necessarily know those things. I just know that my passion is walking, Mm -hmm. it's transformation, and I want to do that in a really compassionate way in service. And if that speaks to other people, then I want to have a conversation with you. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And how can they reach you? They can reach me via LinkedIn. My name is Kimberly Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. I have a LinkedIn account. I'm a student at University of Waterloo. And you can also send me an email message at K-J-L-Y-O-N-S at simpatico.ca. And definitely, if you had any trouble reaching Kim, you can also reach out to me and I will make sure that the connection is made. And that would be Lynn at StepRight, L-Y-N-N at StepRight, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T. 
I look forward to meeting with you again on Step Right with Lynn. Look up another show. We'll be back in a week or so with another show. So I hope to connect with you again. Bye for now. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. We hope you'll join us next time. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.